Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. This is not just a situation that's going to take a day or two to overcome, but it's a tremendous, uh, tremendous loss. And uh, so today, uh, at some point in our service, and we'll talk about that at that moment, but we're going to give you an opportunity if you would like to give, if you haven't already done so. Uh, I know there's a few ways online that are available, but if you would like to give, if you'll just make your checks out to the church and uh, we'll make sure that that gets into the hands of the pastor of the church that's been affected and um, it's just very very difficult to find words to uh, try to capture the essence of the horror and the tragedy that has happened we need to pray for them not only today and in the next few days but certainly uh, as a church to think about uh, a church preparing for five funerals and uh, certainly five funerals of children how this is affecting their youth group and the people that were on the scene that have been no doubt scarred and never be able to unsee some of the things that have been uh, there. So let's just pray and ask God to touch them. I would also ask you to pray a few weeks ago, uh, several weeks ago now, I brought to you a very critical need in the Sanchez family. Brother Sanchez pastors our Spanish work, one of our Spanish works in Palatka. And um, Brother, Brother Sanchez uh, and his family stand in dire need, dire need of our, of our prayer and support today. Sister Sanchez is back in the country, her and her children, and uh, Brother Sanchez is not allowed to come back, and it will be a while. It could be as much as a year, and we're just praying that God can touch this situation. She and her children came home yesterday. And uh, she is planning to be in their church today. And so it would be just the same thing as if um, I was taken out and off of the scene and couldn't be here for an undetermined amount of time. So we just need to ask the Lord to touch these families. And we also certainly need to remember people that were affected by the hurricane a few uh, months ago that are still living in tents. And uh, my, there's a lot of things that really need our attention and while we could not possibly fix everything, we do know the one who can. 
And so I, I know we prayed this morning, but can we just take these needs to prayer and ask God to minister today? Lord, we love you today and ask you this morning to touch our hearts. Lord, we are, we are certainly just absolutely um, mourning with the people today, God, that have suffered such loss. We pray for the church family in Louisiana, the pastor and his family, and all the families affected, God, the children that were lost and the families of those children, God. We know that the ripple effect of this continues on and on into cracks and crevices that we may never witness. But we're just asking you today, God, to help us as a church to be generous in what we can do to help them. We pray today, God, that you will bless the offering that we're going to receive later in our service, that you'll just multiply the strength of those dollars and help them to go as far as they possibly can and need to. I also pray for Sister Sanchez and Brother Sanchez and their family. Today, God, we pray a covering of blessing over their children that they would, that Lord, somehow you could touch them mentally and emotionally and spiritually and that you would touch their church family, God, that you would keep their church family safe. Lord, that you would help this family, Lord, to stay together. We pray for those, God, that have been affected by many tragedies of late in our nation, certainly in our state. We pray, God, for the churches in the Panhandle area that still do not have a house of worship and all the families there that do not have homes, God. We just ask you today somehow to help us to keep in perspective, Lord, the power of prayer and the power of your strength and your anointing in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I am going to do something a little uh, different this morning. I have felt like the Lord has given me um, just something I, I really feel like that we're in the right vein <laughs> and that God has us on a trajectory here. And, and uh, I may not be able, and most likely, especially with our preliminary things this morning, uh, be able to conclude on time and so I'm just going to stop at the right time, and uh, and uh, and then I will just pick back up in our second service. So that may just require you uh, putting a little comma in your mind and just picking back up with us. And uh, 
And if the Lord just gets into this thing, might just preach till three o'clock. Who knows? Amen. Amen. The book of Psalms, I hope I didn't lose the carnal there. The book of Psalms, chapter 95 and verse 6. Amen. Worship. Worship. It is, it is such an important part of our life and our, and our walk with God. The psalmist David uh, says in Psalms 95 and 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I appreciate the comments in our, in our introduction today um, that this gentleman referred to the fact that his automobile has been a place of worship. And when I, when I hear that, I, my mind immediately went back to just two or three moments in time where the spirit of the Lord just moved so powerfully and mightily times when I was alone or times when my wife and I were together and uh, it just became that automobile for the moment became a house certainly became a place of worship and uh, it is certainly uh, of course easy to worship when things are going our way and uh, at least the majority of things are going our way and we feel that life is tilted a little bit in our direction but but there's certain seasons of our life that we do walk without our world being upright and uh, without all the questions being answered and and uh, so that's what we want to that's what we want to focus on today the book of matthew introduces us to a woman and uh, this woman uh, has a daughter according to scripture that is possessed by the devil and uh, when she the when the mother came and found Jesus, she found him, and the Bible says that she fell down and began to worship him. She worshiped him specifically because there was something in her life that was, there was a deficit. There was a true need in her life. Now, I could ask today how many people have a need in your life, and I believe 100% that our hands would go up. Even if all hands didn't go up, I believe there's, everybody here has a need of some sort in our life that we need God to help us with. And, and uh, so we're, we're not here today worshiping without a need. We're not here worshiping in, the, in, in some sealed, vacuumed world where everything is just perfect. But she came to worship and she was needing her daughter to be delivered from the devil. Now that, that's a very serious thing. But in that moment, her worship was met with silence. And I, I think that it's safe to say that there are people in this house and people that may hear this message that have certainly felt the same thing, that we have prayed and it just seemed like our prayers went up to a heaven that just seemed brass. It just seemed like it was shut off. But if you continue to read in, in the gospel of Mark, Jesus breaks the silence and he does no longer seemingly ignore her but he speaks to her, but in what the Lord says to her, it is not an answer to her prayer or it is not a solution to her dilemma. Let me put it that way. In Mark seven twenty seven, Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. And so he said, I am sent to the lost sheep of Israel and she was not from Israel. So she was not in the right lineage to even be in a position, so to speak, to be asking of this. But you see, there was something in her called faith. 
that pushed her beyond where she should have been or what should have been acceptable. And by faith, she believed that God could and would move and minister. And by faith, she was, if I could say this in the right frame, by faith, she was pushing God outside of his own boundaries. By faith. I, I, when I think about that, I think of the man in the New Testament that had leprosy who came to Jesus and began to worship him. That's what the scripture says. And then he lifted up his eyes to him and said, Lord, if thou can, if thou wilt, thou can make me whole. Now, there was no other record of leprosy in the New Testament. There was Naaman the leper in the Old Testament, but there was no other record of Jesus ever healing a man with leprosy in the New Testament. And so this man did not come to him based on a reputation. This is the healer of leprosy, and so this man can heal my leprosy. But it was while he was worshiping the Lord, in his worship, his faith, was increased and touched and he said Lord if you will you can you can do this and so wonderful things happen when we understand the importance and the value of worship in our lives that's why we should never come to church and just sit back and just watch the show it is not a show amen we are not you are not the audience amen heaven is the audience Everybody in this building is a part of the choir, amen, so to speak. And so we need to lift up our voices and we need to magnify the Lord together. Because even in those seasons when we don't feel like we have the strength to worship, if you can press through that, amen, when you don't feel like singing, sing anyway. When you don't feel like clapping your hands, clap your hands anyway. Praise the Lord anyway. The Bible says in, in the, the next verse, Mark 7 and 28, records her reply when the Lord said that to her. She said, but even the dogs are allowed to eat whatever crumbs fall from the table. And so she didn't say you're wrong. He was certainly right about that. But she said, but even the dogs have the right to eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And so at that moment, something arrested the plan of God. And the Bible says in, in verse 29, that Jesus said to her, for this saying, because of what you just said, for this saying, go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. For this saying, because of your faith, because what you have spoken, you have spoken something into existence. It was her attitude of worship that, that seized heaven's attention. I think it's the attitude of persistence, an attitude of humility, an attitude of reverence to say, Lord, I'm not here to pound my fist and make whimsical demands, but I do believe that we can be humble and persistent. <laughs> I believe that we can be reverent and we can be insistent to say, Lord, I've got to have something. Jacob Amen. I don't think Jacob was being disrespectful to the angel, but I think Jacob understood something. I can't let you go until I get something. I got to have it now. I must have it now. And so she came to Jesus, not really demanding that he act, but placing herself at his mercy and, and her attitude of worship moved heaven. Imagine the scene, if you will, previously. We just wind back just a little bit that she prays a prayer or she makes a request, a petition, and heaven is silent. She's waiting, even when her need is urgent. I mean, 
the kitchen's on fire. I mean, this is an urgent need, but heaven is silent. Heaven is delaying even though her situation is getting worse by the moment. And so how do we deal with a magnitude of, a crisis of this magnitude in our life? How do we do and what do we do whenever we pray and God doesn't answer our prayer? What do we do when we say, Lord, I just really need to get something out of the service today. I need the preacher to preach to me. I need your word to speak to me. And, and that seemingly doesn't happen. What are we going to do? Amen. I believe that we must do what this woman did. I believe that we must worship even when heaven is silent. Amen. I believe that we must worship even though we've been put on hold. Seemingly, we, we must worship even though we're waiting. I've got to get a hold of God. I'm going to magnify him. I'm going to still lift up his name. I'm still going to worship him. Even as life worsens, I believe that our worship should just get broader. Our worship should say, you know what? I'm just going to pray. have to worship my way through this. I'm going to have to praise my way through this storm. Many years ago, uh, I read a book probably uh, probably 20 or more years ago. I read a book. Uh, the, the title of the book is Preaching Through the Storm. The author of the book is a man by the name of H. Richard Hicks, Jr. And uh, he wrote this book. And it was uh, the book was almost more like a personal journal or almost, in some cases, a daily diary. And uh, he chron chronicled a very, very dark journey that he and his church had been through and they were a church in transition and I don't want to get really into the, the book aspect of it but it was a very critical moment in the history of a church and, and uh, he with the help of the Lord was trying to lead that church to another dimension and they went through some very very trying times and he realized that I am going to have to preach my way through this storm. I can't just go back and sit down until the clouds roll back. I can't, I can't just go somewhere and, you know, just kind of unplug and take a reprieve until everything gets back to normal. The only way out of this, I'm going to have to preach my way through the storm. Now, that's written from the, the, the aspect, of course, of a preacher, but I can tell you that beauty came out of those ashes, and, and sometimes the only thing that's left for us to do is to just worship our way through this storm. I'm going to pray when I don't feel like praying, and I'm going to fast when I don't feel like fasting. I'm going to praise the Lord, and I'm going to worship him even when, even when heaven is silent. We have to praise our way through the storms. And so that leaves us, of course, with some very serious questions. Can we continue to worship the Lord when it seems like God's not hearing anything we say, but Heaven's windows are just opened up over here over somebody else's life. Can we just be real this morning? It's hard not to look over the fence sometime, isn't it? <laughs> when, when you just can't get a drop of water and it's just raining beautifully over in somebody else's life, even nothing's happening in your own world, can we worship in, in spite of the fact that our circumstances are getting worse and they're not getting better? In our story of scripture today, uh, the devil is in control of this woman's daughter. And so here is a distressed mother at the absolute end of her rope. Now her need was not vague. Her need was not shrouded in, in, in some veiled mystery. Her need was very, very obvious, very critical. Amen. And now in the midst of her need, 
she said, I need something, the Lord. And the Lord said, I've, I've come to the lost sheep of Israel and, and uh, you, you know, you're not worthy of that. And she said, but even the dogs are worthy of the crumbs. Amen. Now the dogs are worthy of that. And, and, and culturally that was true. The dogs could eat of those crumbs. And so uh, here's, here's a woman that was willing in the midst of her need to settle for crumbs. When other people were just being blessed, there were some sitting at the table, amen, there were some wiping grease off of their chin, and, and she said, but I'll take the crumbs, I'll take that, and I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna tell you sometimes we're gonna have to worship the Lord when we see the bountiful blessings in somebody else's life, in somebody else's world, and all we seem like we have is just crumbs in our own world. It's right here at this intersection of so much question and so many uh, unanswered questions and, and so much trial and tribulation that people quit. People get angry. They feel mistreated. Maybe they, uh, they just throw up their hands and say enough is enough. But I'm going to tell you, we cannot afford to stop reading this story too soon because her persistence before God <coughs> took those crumbs and changed them into a crown. It was a crown that Jesus said, great faith, great faith. Twice and only twice in scripture, Jesus recognized someone as having great faith. One was the centurion soldier in Matthew chapter eight, and the other one is this woman, the, the most unsuspecting person in all of scripture that we would think would have the title of great faith. And he said, this saying, what you have said has released the power of deliverance, amen, and it has set your daughter free. Amen. So what, what, what is it that Jesus said? He said, O woman, Matthew 15 and 28, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee as even as thou wilt. And thy daughter was made whole from that very hour. Amen. Thy daughter is going to be made whole. She's going to be made whole. Why? Why was it this woman? And what was it that constituted this great faith? I believe that she worshiped beyond a lot of things. You know, <clears throat> it's impossible for us uh, in many situations to know everybody's story. And so we, we know uh, a few people's lives and some of our closest friends and associates. We may know some of the things that they're going through. But I want to tell you, it is, a, it is one of the, probably the most humbling things that I have experienced through the years is to watch families that are just absolutely walking through hell waist high and they're still in the house of God and they're not sitting on the back row where, where their, their attitude is bigger than the building itself but they are connected to what's going on. They, are, they have learned how I'm gonna worship my way through this. I'm gonna somehow, I am gonna give of myself to the Lord because he's worthy. Amen. I don't know any other way to put it. He is worthy. He is worthy. The Lord is sovereign and he owes me nothing. Amen. He doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything. Amen. She worshiped beyond her negative past. She worshiped even when the Lord ignored her. She worshiped through that silence. She worshiped in the face of a family crisis. She worshiped through cultural prejudice. She worshiped even when the devil mocked her by controlling her daughter. She still came to the source where she knew her strength would arrive. Her worship could not be ignored. And, and certainly heaven's silence was broken. And Jesus said, be it unto thee. Just let it be granted so how does she and, 
And how do you and I go from earthly crumbs to heavenly crowns? Amen. The, the answer to that question is we have to live with the attitude of persistent worship. I'm, I'm, I'm going to worship the Lord. What, what would happen to a relationship? What would happen in any relationship if you never knew from day to day how that person really felt about you? Like one day you kind of feel like they love you and the next day you feel like you're really in the way. That would, that would get fairly awkward, I think, pretty soon, pretty quick. That one day you just feel like you're the greatest thing that ever happened and the next day you're just made to feel like you're an absolute stranger. And so what must God feel whenever we come to church sometimes and we're just willing to worship him and sometimes we won't be blown off a pew with a sick of dynamite? What must God think? Amen, what must God, I believe that we must live with an attitude of persistent worship. I've come to worship I've come to magnify the Lord. If the songs are slow, if the songs are fast, amen, it doesn't matter to me if who's leading, it doesn't matter to me who's preaching, it doesn't matter. To, I've come in a persistent state, a mindset of worship. I want to worship the Lord even when I'm not at church. I'm going to worship the Lord in my home. I'm going to worship the Lord in my automobile. I'm going to worship the Lord on my job. You see, there's always obstacles to worship. Always, always obstacles to worship. Have you ever been to church? I know maybe it don't happen very often, once or twice in a lifetime, but you come to church and somebody there, some situation gets on your nerves. <laughs> you remember way back, maybe when that happened, for some of you might be in the 70s or the 80s or somewhere. And, and you know, and you don't have any idea who sang, and you have no idea who preached, but you know the exact number of times Sister Wootendiddle got up and went out to the bathroom. Go <laughs> see, you got honed in on something. You know exactly how many times so-and-so took their child out. You know exactly how many times somebody cried out. You know exactly how many, all these things, because... You let obstacles get in the way of your worship. Now listen, folks, I've had to learn how to preach over the top of a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of things. And so you gotta stay focused. You just gotta, you gotta, I learned a long time ago that the devil will keep sending rabbits if you'll run them. Yes, he will. He'll send as many rabbits as you'll chase. And so every now, from time to time, you'll say, you know what? It doesn't matter. I gotta work. I gotta, if I have to move, if I gotta do something different, if I gotta, I gotta tap in, I gotta get up and walk up to the front, I've, I've gotta be persistent. Amen. There, we all have obstacles to overcome. We all have obstacles. This woman had obstacles to overcome. She had cultural rejection. She had negative labels. That's just a few. But she, her worship brought her her worship and her faith brought her to the eternal pages of the book that is open on this desk before me. Amen. Now, there were a lot of things in her life, a lot of moving parts. I just want to touch a few of these. But where she was from, Tyre, belonged to the ancient Phoenicia. The most prominent woman from Phoenicia in the Old Testament was a woman by the name of Jezebel. Now, when you think about the name Jezebel, if you know anything about scripture, 
You just kind of have one thought. Jezebel was a handful, an absolute handful. And she died a horrific death. She died the way she lived. That's the truth. Several years ago, my, my wife had a, uh, my uncle had given my wife a donkey. And uh, it's not everywhere you go that people will gift you things like that. But you know, when you live at a certain level, <laughs> when you live on this certain high plane, um, she was gifted a donkey and uh, a, a male donkey and a good friend of ours with a Joel Alexander. And uh, we, uh, several in our church family know him from Ocala. And his, his father uh, raised horses and they're in the horse business and consequently raised donkeys as well for some reason. And, and uh, he was bringing some horses to Joel and he found out that my wife had a donkey. And he said, well, I want to bring you a female donkey. Well, she was just thrilled to death. We're going to have a female donkey. And so we got that donkey here, and she said, well, we said, what's her name? He said, Jezebel. <laughs> like, oh, you've got to be. You have got to be kidding me. And I will tell you, she was true to her name. <laughs> I think she was born in a very spiritual atmosphere, and someone said, yay, Jezebel. And she took that to heart, and she was a thorn in my side for many, 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 many years. And um, all of her offspring took after her. The dad, I'm rambling, aren't I? <laughs> Some of you are more interested in this donkey story than you are worse. Nevertheless, Jezebel, and so I, let me get back on track. And so Jezebel, when you think of Jezebel, certainly when I think of Jezebel, <laughs> there's just the image of, of just stubbornness and whatever that, that comes up. And, and so this label, anybody that, that uh, certainly a woman that was from Phoenicia, and when, where, where are you from? Oh, oh, oh. I mean, automatically this, this cloud of Jezebel, just, you, you can't, you can't, pull yourself out from underneath that cloud. And so when people knew she, where she was from, there's this instant stigma. And she had nothing to do with that, but she just automatically, and, and we understand how that goes. And so it's possible that she was judged and discriminated against all because of this. That could have kept her isolated. That could have kept her at bay, but she refused. She had to step over a few things. That's my point. She could have felt inferior. She could have said, well, you know, when they find out where I'm from and they knew who I am and, and I'm not even of the right lineage. Further, this woman was a Greek. The educated Greeks, uh, to the educated Greeks, the Bible says that uh, in 1 Corinthians, Jesus Christ was foolishness. And so she had a culture that she had to step over in that regard. Therefore, a Greek who worshiped the Lord would even be further ostracized. So she realizes, I've got a lot on the line here. I've got a lot on the line. But she worshiped beyond the scope of her negative past. She worshiped beyond the scope of what somebody else may think about her. I'm gonna tell you that we're all made out of the same thing. So I know what it's like to be right in the middle of worshiping and all of a sudden the, the, it come across your mind. What does somebody else think about what you're doing right now? Somebody must really out there think, man, he, he thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. Just look at all that. And that can just put, pull you right back into a vacuum. But you see, you gotta overcome those things and realize that God is worthy of my worship. And I'm not ashamed of my tears. I'm not ashamed for my hands to be in the air. I'm not ashamed for my voice to be lifted. God has done so much for me. 
She stepped beyond many, many boundaries. And I'll just tell you that we will all have to step beyond many, many boundaries if we're going to really be a worshiper of the Lord. Amen. When, she, when worship was focused on the revelation of Jesus Christ, amen, when she began to focus on who he was and his ability and what he had, all other forms of influence, all other forms of education, everything else began to fall by the wayside because God is always worthy of praise. I believe that we must at all times have the proper attitude of praise and worship. Amen. And I believe there is an attitude of worship. Amen. Um, you know, if somebody does something for you, it's not just what they do for you, it's the attitude in which they do it for you. If somebody begrudgingly does something for you, it's kind of tainted right out of the gate. But when somebody cheerfully and joyfully does that, and so if we go back to our text, Psalms 95 and 6, David said, oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So worship demands action. Worship demands action. Amen. And, and the psalmist used the word come in his invitation to worship. According to Webster's, the word come means to move towards something to move or to journey to a vicinity with a specific purpose. And so when the Lord, when David said that we need to come to the Lord, come before the Lord, we need to move. Amen, we need to move. I, I will tell you this today that I, I believe that when the Spirit of the Lord is moving in our midst, that every man, woman, boy, and girl that claims the power of the Holy Ghost in their life, we ought to be moved. I know some are more demonstrative than others, but let me tell you, don't use shyness or don't use that's not my character or don't use all of those things because God is worthy of us doing something besides folding our arms and sitting around as though we are at an auction somewhere when the Lord is in this house. Amen. I, 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 I don't want to be misunderstood here, but I'll promise you if, if it was your daughter that was demon possessed, I don't believe we would, and, and Jesus was in the house. If it was your wife that was dying of some terminal illness and Jesus was in the house, if it was your situation, if it was your life, our, our own circumstances, and Jesus was in the house, if there was a physical manifestation of Jesus in the house, that's what I'm saying. I don't believe we'd be sitting back there. I don't believe we would be wondering, I wonder how many more times they're gonna sing this chorus. I don't think we would be counting how many times the same line got repeated. I don't think we'd be counting any of those things. We would understand Jesus is in this house and before Jesus leaves, I would be like the woman with the issue of blood. I've got to press my way. I've got to push my way. I've got to get in. I must touch the hem. I've got to touch him somehow, some way. Amen. I, I am not trying to provoke anybody here today, but I am trying to provoke everybody here today to tell you that when the spirit of the Lord is moving for God in heaven's sake, I'd be scared to death to stand there. I'd be scared to death to just sit there as though I've seen this a thousand times. I'm unmoved. I'm unimpressed. 
my Lord, I got to do something. Amen. I got to do something. Why? Because he is my King of Kings. He is my Lord of Lords. I want to worship him with an attitude of proper worship. Amen. Not, come on, somebody, please say amen. Come on, somebody, please say hallelujah. Come on, somebody, clap your hands. No, no, no. There ought to be something in our heart that is a wellspring. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If the service leader should have to do anything, it ought to be to say, you need to be seated. You need to sit down so we can move on. Why? Because we are in the proper attitude of worship. I love you, Lord. I magnify you, God. I praise your holy name. I praise your holy name. Amen, 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 amen. David said, come. That means move. Move towards something. Move towards something with a purpose. Amen. Move towards something with a purpose. Oh, come and let us worship him. You see, biblical worship is intentional it is intentional movement toward God for a specific purpose. It is impossible to enter the presence of God without, a God without God getting a hold of our attitude. Anybody ever had the Lord just get a hold of your attitude right in the middle of church? <laughs> I've been caught with bad attitudes in the middle of church. Absolutely. Amen. Been caught with bad attitudes right in the middle of the church and right in the middle of the church service and and, and, and the Lord just began to, I said, you know, I just need to worship. The Lord just began to change my mind and my attitude because you see, worship is not a platform to display talent. Worship is not a platform to, to display skill. Worship is not a platform to display a, a, some of our abilities, but true worship is about an altar. True worship is about sacrifice. True worship is about bowing. True worship is about kneeling. True worship involves humility. True worship. I have, I have, I'm not sure I should say this. I have very low tolerance for insincere people that are involved in leading any portion of a service. I just want to go grab the mic and say, sit down. Because this is not the me show. This is the him show. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be unkind. But sometimes we forget what this is all about. Amen. I, I, I can only think of this as an illustration and you'll be probably thankful. But, but I've been to funerals before when it wasn't about the person in the box. It had morphed into whoever was holding the mic. And somebody's singing and trying to figure out how many whoa, 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 whoa's we can get into the song. Amen. <laughs> Lord, don't let me have a bad attitude. I'm, I don't mean to be that way today. I mean that in my heart. But this, worship is not about a display of what we can do Worship is about humility. Humility. Worship is to introduce us to the lives. Is introduce us rather to a, a, a living God. Worship should introduce us to something. It should open something in our heart, in our lives. Amen. Um, 
trying to figure out what to do here. I'm gonna ask our musicians, if you will, to come. And maybe this would be a, a place I can just pause here for just a moment. Would you, would you exercise a little bit of extra today and, and just... This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.